So that article that I read a piece of for our reading this morning, um, that's actually the piece of that article, or the whole article itself is called The Benefits of Church, and it caught my eye. You might imagine, I will confess up front as a minister, that I do think being part of a faith community is a good thing. I've dedicated a large chunk of my life, in fact, to, to this. Uh, I think that dedicating ourselves to the religious education and the nurturing of our children in this community is a good thing. I think being a place that helps us find our song, that helps us keep singing a song of hope even when things are dark, being a part of a community like that is a good thing. I think promising to dwell together in peace and to seek the truth and love and to help one another as we grow into love's people, that is a good thing. So there it is. I think church is a good thing. So when there's an article in the New York Times called The Benefits of Church, maybe it's just confirmation bias, but I really pay attention. And I read this, and there's some incredible scientific research that's coming out now that points to some of these benefits of being part of a church, part of a faith community. And um, Tanya Luhrmann outlined some of those in this article. So it starts by saying this, religious attendance, or at least religiosity, boosts the immune system and decreases blood pressure. It might add as much as two or three years to your life. The reason for this is not entirely clear, but she does point to some reasons. I wanna share those, some of those with you and then add a few things that I don't think she points to, which, which are really important in my mind. I also wanna say on the front end of things, I don't normally quote large chunks of articles or books when I preach. I don't know how that works for you. I don't think it's particularly effective to just read you big chunks of things. But this piece really spoke to me, and so I am going to share a few highlights with you this morning. This article suggests that one of the reasons religion is good for people is that people in faith communities often have really strong social support. They look out for one another. They help each other raise their kids. They visit each other in the hospital. They give each other prayer shawls when they're sick or ill. An example of this that Luhrmann lifts out from her article, she shares a story of this church she was studying and the small group that a woman was in. And this woman in that small group shared that she had to have extensive dental work done and didn't have the resources for it. And that group anonymously raised money to help her have this dental work done. So support and care, being there in those important moments of your life, that support network. Lurman goes on to say in this article, a study conducted in North Carolina found that frequent churchgoers had larger social networks with more support than their unchurched counterparts. And we know that social support is directly tied to better health. So that's one of the things, social support. That's one of the benefits of being a part of a faith community, social support. It's a reality of a faith community. We care for one another, and we are cared for. In addition, faith communities also invite practices of forgiveness, practices of reconciliation, practices of gratitude, practices of generosity. They invite us to practice those things and to live those things. So normal walk through life, you start to accumulate some spiritual baggage, some resentment, some grudges, some frustration, some pain, and the church is a place that helps those things get worked out, helps us live longer, it turns out, with less stress. Here's where it gets really interesting. Tanya Luhrmann, 
as an anthropologist, suggests another reason as well as to why being part of a faith community might help us live longer with less stress. She writes, any faith, any faith demands that you experience the world, that you look at the world as more than just what is material and observable. Any faith says you have to look at the world and see more than the material world than what you can just see with your eyes. She goes on. This does not mean that God is imaginary, but that because God is immaterial, those of faith must use their imaginations to represent God. To know God in an evangelical church, that's her area of study, evangelical churches. To know God in an evangelical church, I think it's bigger than that context, she says. To know God in an evangelical church, you must experience what can only be imagined as real. And you must also experience it as good. I want you to hear that again, because I'm going to come back to that in just a second. She says, to know God, you must experience what can only be imagined as real, and you must also experience it as good. This is a practice that can be learned, she suggests. She explains. She says, what I saw in church as an anthropological observer was that people were encouraged to listen to God in their minds and in their small groups, but only pay attention to the mental experiences that were in accord with what they took to be God's character, with what they took to be love's character, if you will, which they took to be good. So in their prayer lives, in their small group lives, they were, paid, they were told to pay attention to the mental experiences they were having that were indicators of the character of God, which was a a good character, and to, to listen to those influences in their mind. If that feels abstract or a little weird or out of the, your realm of experience, let me bring this home for you full circle because we just had an experience of this last week. How many of you were here for our Youth Sunday service last week? Yeah, a, a bunch of you are here. Not everyone, so I'll try to paint the picture of what happened. But Many of us have this lived experience just from last week. I'm wondering how many of you remember the last message that we heard from, from Chloe, one of our youth. Yes, it was, a, it was powerful. The whole service was powerful, that last message. It was, she shared her journey of growing up in a Christian church and understanding Jesus as a best friend and as God, and God as someone whose character was good and loving and who wanted abundant life for her, for all people. And she also shared in that message this quote from the prophet Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. During her message, Chloe spoke movingly about her faith, her relationship with the stories of the Bible and with God, and her deep knowing that God wants abundant life for her and for all of us. That's exactly the kind of experience that T.M. Luhrmann describes in her article. All right, she says, 
that this sense that God, that the spirit of life, the spirit of love is real and is good and has plans to give us hope and a future, that sense, this ability to imagine that and have it become real is exactly what she is pointing to in her article. And here's how this connects to health. She goes on to say, people who experienced a loving God in this way were vividly healthier. And increasingly, writes Luhrmann, other studies bear out this observation that the capacity to imagine a loving God or a loving presence, the capacity to imagine a loving God vividly leads to better health. Well now, I've been in this congregation long enough to know there's a diversity of religious perspectives and opinions here. And so I'm imagining if you identify as an atheist or an agnostic or a humanist or a non-theist, you might be feeling a little bristly maybe or a little uncomfortable or wondering if this means maybe you're a little less healthy than you thought. I recognize the diversity of opinions in this place. And I want to just remind all of us that it is not belief that binds us together as a faith community, but a promise of how we will be with one another, how we will be with one another as we seek the truth and love, how we will help one another, how we will give and receive and grow into love's people. That is what binds us together as a faith community. So I would say, and I think what Luhrmann is pointing to, is that whatever your beliefs are, if you can imagine yourself held and supported in the cupped hands of this place, in the ocean of this community, or in the caring, deep listening of your small group, or in your community of choir members, if you can imagine being held held by the spirit of life, by a human community, by a love that will not let you go, then I suspect your life and health are receiving the benefits of church regardless of particular belief. And to be clear as well, just because one believes in God and is in church, I don't think that automatically means that you have less stress and better health. I'm thinking especially of the very moving call to worship we heard this morning. And I realize there are many people in many faith communities that are unable to bring the wholeness of who they are into that community. And I suspect that that disconnect, that tension, probably creates more stress and anxiety, not less. But when we can bring our whole selves into a faith community, when we know and are known by others, when we can lean into something larger than ourselves, I believe that the benefits of church begin to emerge, less stress and longer life. And I think there's something else going on as well, something about why involvement in a faith community can reduce stress. And it's something that Luhrmann doesn't really address in this article, so I wanna spend a little bit of time on that this morning. Here's my take on our lives in the 21st century right now. We live in a time of incredibly high 
anxiety in all kinds of ways. We're scared of the future of the planet. We're scared for our children's lives. We're scared about terrorism. We're scared of things we shouldn't be scared about. We're anxious and scared and stressed out, whether it's jobs, whatever it is, high anxiety. So we live in this world of high anxiety in a world that is flooded with information but lacking in meaning. There's a whole lot of stuff flying at us that doesn't even make sense. There's this gigantic fire hose of information coming out of Twitter and Facebook and the internet and TV and radio and everyone and everything is demanding our attention and time and loyalty and money. Everything is important. Did you catch the newest thing here? Da, da, da. It's overwhelming. There's no silence. There's no stillness. It's all important all the time. So how do we know? How do we decide what to pay attention to, what to be loyal to, where to show up in our lives, what really matters? It's too much. It's stressful. The Reverend Alice Blair Wesley suggests that a major source of anxiety in our time is that we don't know what matters most to us, what we love most. We don't know what matters most to us, what we love most. And she continues, Alice Blair Wesley continues, many of us don't know what might be worthy of our faithful loyalty, which people might deserve our trust, or who are the people, or the causes, or the institutions to whom we might want to be faithful. Doesn't that question sit with you? Doesn't that question sit with us? We know in our bones, we know beyond the news and everything demanding our attention, beyond the newest gadgets and touchscreens and fancy smanchy stuff, there's something more beyond our own needs and the needs of our families. There's something else calling us that has a claim on us. We desire, we yearn to give our lives to something greater than ourselves. And the world pulls at us in a thousand different ways, and it's not clear what is most worthy of our love and loyalty. That is stressful. And I think the church, this church, and religion, this religion can offer answers to those deep questions, those yearnings we carry. Here's what I mean. This faith community, the ministry that we invite you into in this place, it helps put our lives in a context, in a meaning that is rich and life-giving. We're part of a larger story here. Here, we can begin to get clear about our deepest loyalties. Here, there isn't one right way to believe. Instead, we give and receive and grow together. We invite one another to be loyal to the spirit of love. To be loyal to the spirit of love as we listen deeply in our small groups to be loyal to the spirit of love as we work with Habitat for Humanity, as we serve meals at Simpson Shelter, as we attend trainings like the one this Thursday to end homelessness in our city, to be loyal to the spirit of love as we begin to look at race, racism, privilege, and commit to being an anti-racist faith community. Here's what I see as your minister. 
as we declare our loyalty to that spirit of love and the ways it moves among us and through us and around us and the way we listen to where it's calling us next, something in us changes. Our anxiety lessens. Amidst all that noise and stress and demands on our lives, we become clearer about why we're here in this life and what we're meant to do. As we commit our lives to these children we dedicated today, to seeking the truth and love, to helping one another, as we do those practices, a faithfulness emerges, a loyalty emerges. And here's how it loops back to each and every one of us. When we do those things, we begin to experience in each of our hearts, I know it because you've told me, we begin to experience what can only be imagined as real. We begin to feel the spirit of life. We begin to feel the spirit of love, the spirit of God, call it what you will, that source that gives us hope, that is worthy of our loyalty. We begin to experience that as real and as good and at work in our lives. And that helps us rest in a larger love that knows and holds us. And as we rest in that larger love, that in turn lowers our anxiety, lowers our stress, and invites us with joy, with gratitude, with passion and compassion. It invites us to serve and to heal and to bless this world. The benefits of this faith community, less stress, longer life, deeper blessing for one another and this world. May it be so, and amen.